please stand for the reading of God's Word. Today we're going to be reading in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1 through 15. This will be on page 554 on the Bibles around the room. When I'm done reading, I will say this is the reading of God's Word. You will respond by saying thanks be to God. We say this because we are thankful that God provided His Word for us. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1 through 15. For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. What gain has a worker from his toil? I've seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. I perceived that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also, that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. I perceive that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it, nor anything taken from it. God has done it so that people fear before Him. That which is already has been. That which is to be already, already has been. And God seeks what has been driven away. This is a reading of God's Word. Let's pray. God, please help us to trust in Your plan and to try and make and to not try and make our own way. Also, help us to fear you and keep your commands. Thank you for letting us be worthless and to just live in the moment. Help us to receive this message and bless Pastor Shay as he preaches your word. Amen. First, you were born. And you spend your whole life striving. And then, the end. Turns out it's good news. So I did this last service, but I want to do it again. Can we give uh, Sophia another round of applause? Like, Good job reading, sweetie. Uh, we are going to be picking back up in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. If you didn't grab a Bible before, you can grab one now because we're going to be going through the text this morning like we normally do on Sunday morning. Uh, before I get into the text, I want to say hello and welcome. My name is Shay. I'm one of the pastors here at Livingstones. And uh, if you're a guest, if it's your first time or maybe you're just checking us out, uh, just know that we are people who absolutely love Jesus. Uh, and that's why we open up his word and read from it and teach from it. We pray to God. We take up offerings, not because uh, it's the cool thing to do. Uh, we actually come before God because of how great he's been to us. Uh, and we're thankful. We're thankful for the good graces that God has given to us. So uh, that's who we are as Living Stones Church. Uh, and you've caught us kind of in the middle of a sermon series going through the book of Ecclesiastes. Uh, Ecclesiastes is, uh, is a word that means uh, one who lectures or, or one who preaches. And we see two central characters in the book of Ecclesiastes. We see uh, 
the, the author who's writing down what the preacher is saying. And we have the preacher himself who's uh, kind of given us uh, his version of the meaning of life. Uh, and I don't know why I have this picture of this, this Middle Eastern guy in my head, but for some reason he has like this English accent and he's like holding a pipe and he's like, Hevel, it's all Hevel. And I don't, I don't know why it comes off like that, but y'all can pray for me. That'd be cool. Um, but he is, he's given us uh, his meaning of life. And, and that word hevel, it actually means uh, meaningless or, or something that's without substance. Uh, if you were here the first week that we started this series, uh, Pastor Kyle brought up a glass of water and he dropped dry ice in the water. And if you know what happens when dry ice meets water, it starts to, to bubble over with smoke. And it's, it's so thick, it looks like you can grab it. Uh, but when you go to grab it, you find out that it's, there's nothing there. There's, there's no substance to it. That is a, a visual picture of Hevel. It looks like there's something there. It looks like you can, you can grab out and reach it and attain it. But when you go and you chase after it, you just see that it starts, slowly starts to dissipate. And that's what the preacher is saying, that, that what life is without Christ, without God in your life, that life is Hevel. You chase after these things in life. You, you try to reach them. You try to attain them. You try to, you try to fight for them and strive for them. But then when you reach them, maybe they just fall through your fingertips. Or maybe, or maybe you realize when you get it that it wasn't worth the, the, the strife to get it in the first place. It's hevel. It's all meaningless without God. Um, and unless you have God in your life with appreciating his good gifts, life is just, it's like smoke. It's like trying to grab smoke. Um, so it's not living life for profit, but it's living life as a gift. It's living life with thankfulness in your heart. It's thanking God for the good things that he's given to us. And so the preacher, I feel like as he's, he's standing behind the podium, I, feel, I get this feeling he's standing behind the podium and he's, he's giving us this lecture. But then in chapter three, it, it feels like he switches gear. And instead of standing behind the podium, it's like he sits down in a, in a rocking chair and he's like, he's giving advice to his kids. And essentially what he's saying is, God has been in control of all things since the, since the very beginning of time. He's, he remains in control right now, and he's going to be in control until time stops. God is in control of all things. God is the, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. All things, whether big and small, whether big or small, are under God's rule. In God's rule alone, there's no one that could challenge him for a seat of authority. God is in control. That's what it means that God is sovereign. It means he's in control of all things. But because God is sovereign, he's appointed these times of things that we have in our life. And actually, he's appointed a time and place for everything. Everything that we go through in life, God has appointed a time for. There's nothing that's outside the purview of God. He has everything in control in every aspect of your life. That's who God is. That's why he's sovereign. And for us to try to control what happens in this life, it's, it's hevel. For us to try to, try to control uh, the, the times that we do things or, 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 or when things are going to happen in our life or, or for me to strive and do something to better my life, it's hevel. Because God's in control of all things. It's like trying to cage the wind. The most fulfilling thing that we can do in this life is to enjoy the good things that God has given to us and to cry out for God in our greatest times of need. That's, that's what God has for us in this life, to enjoy and to call upon him. 
no amount of worrying or, or trying to control things or self-improvement is going to change the fact that God is in control, nor is it going to change the eventual things that happen in life. It's what the preacher is trying to communicate to us. And as I was preparing for the sermon this week, uh, I, had, I had kind of a tough week as I, was, as I was preparing for this. And in the midst of it, I just kept hearing God tell me, I've got this. I've got this and I've got you. It was a, it was a source of encouragement for me and, and a source of comfort to hear God say, I'm, regardless of what you're going through, I'm still in control. So just trust me. Um, and that's my prayer for you this morning. I pray that you can in, like join me in this, in this word of encouragement, that God's got this. Um, it's an encouragement to weary souls. But you get, like, you get tired sometimes of trying to do things on your own and to try, to try to make your life better. Or maybe you've got this goal in mind of who you should be, but you keep falling short of that goal. And God's saying, I got you. I've got this. You, you don't have to strive for the wind. At the same time, it's a reality check for those folks who think uh, that they're in control of their lives. God is saying to those folks, I, I got this. I'm in control. So enjoy the things that I've given you. And we can rest knowing that whatever happens in this life, God is still in control. And so I want to enter into the text this morning. Uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1. Let's read it together. Uh, I'm going to read it, but... As we, as we start to expound upon some of the things the preacher is saying, I'm not going to hit every line of this poem. Uh, it's actually going to feel like I'm skipping around a little bit. Um, but I promise, I promise you'll make it. I promise I'll get, lead us through it. Uh, so let's look at it. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1. It says, For everything there is a season, and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what has been planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones. A time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to seek and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to tear and a time to sow. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. Um, so as we're looking at these things that the preacher is putting forward, uh, it's, not, it's not designed to be an all-inclusive list of the things we go through in this life. I'm sure that as we were reading it together, probably some things popped up in your mind that you would want to add to this list of eventualities that the preacher is putting forward out there. Um, like... I know I can think of a few. I was, uh, I was giving my son uh, a bath last night. And uh, for, some, for some strange reason, bath time equals crazy time for him. And it's like water where it's not supposed to be. Like a bath is designed to hold water, not the floor. You, got, you guys know that. For some reason, he doesn't know that. He thinks the water should be outside the tub. That's a proper bath for him. And uh, I'm like, that's great when you're in the bath by yourself. But when you're taking a bath with your little brother and he's drowning in your craziness, it's not the proper time <laughs> to be crazy in the bathtub. Um, we, were, we were in our community group this week, and I posed this question to our community group. Like, if you guys could add anything to this list of stuff uh, that the preacher is presenting, what would you add to it? And one of, one of our friends in our community group, Gloria, she, uh, I, love, I love it. She said, um, I think I would add, there's a time to discipline your children, 
But then there's a time to sit back and say to yourself, let's just see what happens. <laughs> I thought that was awesome. So that's funny. Um, but one of the main things we see that the preacher is telling us in this passage uh, is that God has appointed these times. Let's look at the very first one. It says, there's a time to be born and there's a time to die. Uh, contrary to popular belief, you did not control your birth. Newsflash for anybody who thought they did. You were not con- in control of that time of your life. You weren't even there. Kind of were there, but you weren't really there. There's a time to be born that God has appointed for you. And in the same token, there's also a time to die. Um, one of the main things I feel like we struggle with in this life is death. Um, we struggle with it so much, sometimes we only like talking about it. The, the, the thought of death just makes us uncomfortable. But God is in control of even that. God has appointed a time for your life and for your death. Um, and I think it changes as we go through life, right? I was talking to one of our um, astute uh, graybeards here in the church, because, uh, you know, the graybeards had all the wisdom. And he was telling me how um, as you go through life, you view death in different ways. When, when you're young, you do everything you can to avoid death. It's like you don't really care about it. You'll do all kind of crazy stuff. You're like, let's get a motorcycle and travel 160 miles an hour down a hilly road. Eh, we'll see what happens. Like you, don't, you, you face death differently when you're a kid. Uh, as, you, as you start to move into you know, like your middle age, uh, death becomes, starts to become real for you. And you realize, oh, I've got all these things I need to do. I've, I've, I don't have much time left. I got, and, and you start worrying. and you start, Almost your mind starts pacing because of, uh, you, you realize that time is running short and that death is getting closer and closer. And maybe some of you are there. Uh, where you just, it just feels like death is, is way too close for comfort. But I want to say to you, God's got this, and he's got you. But then as you move through life and you get a little bit more seasoned, you've been through those times of, of uh, worry and, and anticipation and all those things, and then you look at death and you say, man, I'm just going to enjoy life. I'm, I'm going to get to enjoy uh, hanging out with my, my kids or my grandkids or I'm not going to worry about losing that job. I'll probably get another one. It's happened a time or two in my life. You progress through life and you think about death in different ways. Um, I know my mom, so my grandmother passed a few years back, and my mom was really struggling with her death because my grandmother's like the patriarch of our matriarch of our family. And um, she was really struggling with it. And people would come up to her and they would try to offer their condolences. But if you ever, have you ever been in grieving and people come up to you and say stuff and it's just like the craziest thing? Like, why would you say that to me? Like, it'll get better in time. You're like, no, it probably won't. So she was struggling with some of that. And if, like some of you, if you ever get a chance to meet my mom, she's kind of no nonsense. So she's like, if you don't get up out of my face. Um, so there's that. But uh, she said one lady came up to her and said, um, God allowed you a precious time in your life to spend with his daughter, and he wants his baby back home. God was, God was in control of my grandmother's life, and it's God is the one who called her home. And what that lady was offering my mother was the realization that God is still sovereign. God is still good. He's still with you. He's still going to be with you. He just wants his baby back. And so that offered her a source of comfort. 
But there's other things that the preacher uh, talks about that God has appointed. There's, there's times that God has appointed. Or there's times to break down and build up. There's time for war and there's time for peace. Um, some folks have actually been to war. Uh, and they struggle with the concept of how, how do I be a Christian and go to war? How do, how do I kill someone but still be in the love of God? And the preacher says there's, there's a time. There's a time when you do have to face those things. Uh, but for some of you, you'll probably never go to war. Uh, but maybe you've been at war with a boss. Maybe you've been at war with your spouse. Um, and there's a time for that. There's a time to kind of enter into those, those conversations with your spouse. But have you ever tried to go and approach the person you're, you're at war with, but they're, they're just not ready to hear your apology? And there's, there's something blocking it? It's because God is probably still working on that person. And it's not time yet. God is saying, I I know the right time. Just be patient. I've appointed these things. Not only that, but it says, uh, the preacher is trying to let us know that God is sovereign not only when when things make sense, but also when they don't or or they're just hurtful. Like there's all kinds of things we go through in this life. Like people, people get cancer all kinds of different forms of cancer. They, they get diabetes. They, get, uh, they go through breakups. They, uh, they get anxiety, like real debilitating anxiety. And they struggle with it. But even in the midst of that, God is still in control. Some people struggle with their hard-headed children. <laughs> parents, God is still in control even when you have hard-headed children. Uh, some people struggle with their parents not listening to them. Kids uh, God is still in control, even when you feel like your parents aren't listening to you. God is in control. Some people struggle with joblessness and sickness and infertility. And those things hurt. I'm not, I'm not trying to say, like, just trust in God and everything will be better, because sometimes it won't. But even in the midst of things may not working out the way you want them to, God is still in control. Some of you will go through, uh, some of you are in community groups. Maybe your community group split and it hurt and it hurt bad because you felt like you were losing a part of your family. God's still in control. We're, we're a churches that, that loves to plant churches and uh, a couple church plants that we're trying to do right now, we're trying to plant a church out in, uh, in Fernley. Some of you may be called to, to join that church plant. We're talking about planting a church uh, here in the city of Sparks. Some of you may be called to join this church plant, and it may hurt. It may be uncomfortable. There there may be times when uh, the roof is is leaking, and you got to be the one to go up on the roof to fix the leak. Love you, man. It's uncomfortable, but God is still in control of those things. It's a source of comfort that we have. Here's another thing that I noticed about uh, the preacher's poem. We're all subject to these life events, uh, and they're both necessary and beneficial for us to go through. Uh, so, for instance, he says there's a time to plant and a time to pluck up what's been planted. There's a way that you could take, like, a, a, a corn seed and plant it in the ground. Now, you could, like, go for it. You could plant, you could take that uh, the seed back up and eat it. But it's not going to be as beneficial for you if you wait for it to grow into a corn plant. You guys see where I'm going with that? There's, there's a time and a place for everything. Um, there's a time to tear and a time to sow, he says. There's a time to weep and a time to laugh. Did you guys know that the human body craves both laughter and weeping? 
it's beneficial for us. Like there's medical benefits in crying. Uh, it soothes, it, it relieves pain, it enhances your mood, it releases bad toxins that are in your body, it reduces stress. It's a good thing to cry, regardless of uh, what we might have been told as, as men in our culture. It, it is soothing to our souls to cry. And God has given it to us as a gift and appointed times for us to step into it. There's also a time for laughter. Uh, it, it lowers your blood pressure, it reduces stress, it works on your abs. So if you're trying to get ready for that summer body, just laugh more. <laughs> and it proves your, your heart health. It, it triggers these healthy endorphins. It just promotes your overall well-being. You got a problem with, with frowning all the time? You got that, that crazy resting face where you just look like you're mad at the world? Just laugh more. I promise it'll be okay. Nobody's going to judge you for laughing. Here's another thing that I would say about this poem. Uh, if they're used, so it, there's, there's two extremes. So there's the beginning and the end of something. And if they're, if they're used out of order, it, it can kind of be to our detriment sometimes. So for example, like there's a time to mourn and a time to dance. And if you go into a situation where you confuse those, it might not go well. Like you're supposed to walk into a funeral and everybody's sad and you walk in doing the Roger Rabbit, it, it probably won't go well for you. Um, there's a time for silence and there's a time to speak. There's a time to embrace and there's a time to refrain from embracing. I have to tell my wife this all the time. Like, baby, there's a time that we, had, that we need to refrain from embracing. I mean, I'm not a piece of meat here. <laughs> my eyes are up here. Come on. <laughs> I didn't tell her I was going to say that. <laughs> God's got this. God's got it. He, he is in control of all things, I promise you. There's nothing that's going to slip outside of his hands. Not even you. Not even at your worst is God going to let you go. God's got this. Uh, because God's got this, we can enjoy life in the here and now. Look what it says in verse 11. It says, he has made everything beautiful in its time. Um, the preacher says that he has made everything beautiful, but I think he has to make sure to say in its time. Everything is beautiful in its time. Um, there's more enjoyment in partaking of things at the right time. So there's a way that you can go out into the forest and you can look at all the greenery. Like, like there's a, a rose uh, stem there and it's, it's beautifully green the way, it, the way it's there and it's, it's kind of presenting itself. But if you wait until it's in full bloom, oh man. God cherishes that beauty. There's a way that you can uh, enjoy a, a nice fire in its time and in its proper place. If it's just sitting in the middle of your living room, you're probably not enjoying it all that much. You guys see where I'm going with that. Um, my wife, I, I had, so growing up, I had never gotten fresh food, like, like straight off the vine. And so uh, my wife one time took me to a farmer's market and we had strawberries. And um, I thought somebody put sugar on it. Like, I'm, this is so sweet. But, but something plucked at just the right time. See, when, it, when, you, get, when you get store-bought food, they have to pluck it early. And so it doesn't have time to mature and get the, the fullness of what it was created to have. But when you pluck it just at the right time and you enjoy it for what God made it to be, oh, man, the, the flavor explodes in your mouth. 
and you can enjoy it to, to the fullness of what God intended it to be. Everything is more enjoyable at, at the right time. I, uh, I'm, a, I'm a chaplain at our base here in town, and I tell my airmen all the time, like, uh, there's a time to enjoy uh, married folk activity. I got, I got little ones here, so that's all I can say. There's a time to enjoy married folk activity within the confines of marriage. God created that married folk activity to be beautiful. And there's nothing like it in the world when you're actually engaging in it in its proper time, in its proper place. But it's to our detriment if we experience it outside of its proper time and proper place. It causes damage, sometimes irreparable damage. And maybe some of you have experienced that. Um, and this, this isn't throwing shade. But you can enjoy it in its proper time and proper place. You can, you can wait. I tell my airmen all the time, uh, for the love of God, keep it in your pants, is what I tell them. And, and they see me from across the base. They're like, keep it in your pants, chaplain. I'm like, I got one. I got one. Just tell them. Proper time and proper place for everything. And to, to, the, to the glory of God, enjoy it in its proper time. Everything is beautiful in this proper time. God knows those times. And so we live under God's wisdom and not our own. Don't try to make something beautiful before it's ready. God knows the timing of when things are perfectly beautiful. Uh, the preacher is also telling us uh, in verse 11b, he says, uh, also he has put eternity, eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. Um, so I would say this, even though God has wired us with this ability to look back and forward in time and kind of, we, we have science that we can kind of look back in time and we can predict things in the future. And even though that's true, it's not always healthy for us to live in those two places. God has given us the life and the here now for us to enjoy. Um, I've got this friend of mine at work. She's a, uh, she's a psychiatrist and she offered this example of a car. And so in a car, you have uh, the window that's in front of you uh, that represents the present. You have your rear view mirror that represents the past. You have your side mirrors that, that represent the future. And she was presenting that uh, it's actually to our detriment if we're driving down the street only looking in our rear view mirror. You, you, you're probably going to crash. You're all, if you're always looking behind you at what's behind you, you're never going to see what's right in front of you. In the same way, if you're looking at your side mirrors all the time, if you're always trying to plan for the future and never really enjoying what's right in front of you or paying attention to it, it's, it's probably to your detriment. God has given us the here and now to enjoy. The only thing that's in the past is, is, is regret and, and guilt and shame. All those things reside in the past. The future is, is full of like anxiety of, of what's next and, 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 and how, can I, how can I be better in this area? And I've got all these things that I need to do. And if we live there constantly, it's to our detriment. It means we're not, we're not just enjoying what God has given us in the here and now. My daughter, as we'll go, we'll go on walks and stuff like that. And um, she's the one who sees a flower and wants to stop and say, look at the flower, daddy. I'm like, we got to get to the park. We got, we got stuff to do. We got to go and play and we got to get back and cook dinner. She doesn't care about any of that. She's enjoying the moment in the here and now. 
she, she's appreciating the, the, the beauty that God has placed right before her eyes. And I wish I could learn from her. I do learn from her, actually, all the time. So enjoy what life is giving you in the here and now. But then the, the preacher asks the question, he says, uh, in verse 9, he says, what gain has the worker from his toil? And he actually answers the question for us in verse 12. Look what it says. It says, I perceive that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful, to do good as long as they live. Also that everyone should eat, drink, and take pleasure in all his toil. This is, a, is God's gift to man. Um, there's a way that we can live our Christian life. Uh, and there's a way that the world perceives our Christian faith as a religion of don'ts. Uh, don't do this. Don't hang around those people. Uh, don't smoke. Don't drink. Don't watch those movies. Don't listen to that music. Don't, 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 don't. Um, and I don't, think, I don't think Christ ever presented our faith that way. Matter of fact, he said, um, go be part of the world. Don't be a part of it. Don't, don't think the same way they do. Don't, don't, don't have it in your life to the point where you, you become, uh, no, not, you're not even distinguishable from everyone else who's living in it, but for the love of God, like go in and enjoy the things that are in this life. And that might be cr- a crazy thought to some of you. And I'm sure your, your brain is firing off like, Pastor Shea, are you advocating that we go and, and just smoke some weed? Nope, not what I'm saying at all. Just because uh, something is legal, doesn't necessarily mean it's beneficial. Are you honoring God with the things that you do? And if you, if you can go through life and, and, and enjoy the things that God has placed in front of you and give him glory at the same time, God says enjoy. Take pleasure in it. Um, there's uh, this notable theologian. His name's Charles Spurgeon. Some of you may have heard of him. Um, he has this quote that says, um, to the glory of God, I'm going to go home tonight and have myself a cigar before I go to bed. <gasps> Spurgeon, no, you didn't. To, he's glorifying God with what God's placed in front of him. This is a man that we, we would note as a, as a man of God. Enjoy what life has placed in front of you. He says to be joyful to do good, to take pleasure. It's a gift from God. Now, I'm not advocating that we have this loose living, right? That we just, that we just live life in a way that as if God doesn't exist, but everything in moderation and to the glory of God. It's actually, uh, it's a selfish way to live. And it mistakes our own pleasure as the most important thing. I'm also not advocating that um, we have complete separation from things in this life. I'm not saying like completely separate yourself and, and don't go listen to that kind of music or don't go watch those movies um, because that could easily lead to like this self-righteousness where even though God is, is, has allowed you to do it, you say, God, I know you allow me to do it, but I'm going to make myself more holy than what you think I am. God says, I already made you holy when I sacrificed my son for you. You don't need to try to perform for me. Again, everything in moderation in its season. So enjoy a glass of wine with your, with your spouse at night. To the glory of God, have a good time. I think they call it Netflix and chilling. 
Listen to a radio station other than K-Love. To the glory of God. You might come across the 80s station and, and rocking and rockin out. To the glory of <laughs> To the glory of God. Um, play that video game you love. Don't overindulge. But to the glory of God, enjoy yourself. Everything in moderation. Go, go get that cheeseburger, that double cheeseburger with the bacon on it. To the glory of God, enjoy yourself. Um, God is most glorified when we are enjoying him the most. And if God has presented us with these things and he said, uh, I want you to enjoy them, then enjoy them. It's okay. As long as you're not overindulging in them. As long as you're not making those things as your ultimate fulfillment. God views anything that you take as the ultimate fulfillment as competition. And God, God will not be competed with. God will be sovereign and he will be in control of all things and he will not stand for idols in your life. So please don't hear me saying, take up another idol. If you have an idol in your life, destroy it. But to the glory of God, what he's given you, enjoy it. It's okay. God's got this. He's got you. You can enjoy life. And the reason that God has got this is because of what Christ did, sacrificing himself on our behalf and living a, a, a life that was perfectly obedient to the law. Let's look at what verse 14 says. It says, I perceive that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it, nor anything taken away from it. Um, maybe you guys have heard this before. Jesus loves you. But I want to I say it with some oomph behind it. Jesus loves you. One of our favorite verses to quote, even people who don't go to church regularly will know this verse, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believed in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. God loved you so much that he would sacrifice his son on your, on your behalf. Even when you were dead set against him, God came through and gave us his son. And then Jesus comes along a few chapters later and says, uh, in John chapter 10, he says, I not only came to give them life, I came to give them abundant life. Abundant life is this word of, of, of fullness, of, of enjoyability. Like I came to give them life in abundance. I came, I came so that they could free their, their, their bondage of sin and just enjoy the good creation that I've placed in front of them is what Jesus is saying. We can enjoy it. And then the Bible comes along a little bit later in Ephesians chapter one. And I wanna read this for us. And I, and I pray that this is, a, this is a blessing for you as you see how much God loves you. It says, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. 
God loved you so much that he pre-thought out his love for you before anything was set into motion in creation. God loved you so much that he would send his son to, to sacrifice himself on your behalf so that you didn't have to experience eternal damnation. Jesus so willingly gave his life that he was willing, even though he was above the law, he was willing to put himself under the law and live it perfectly so that we didn't have to strive to keep all these rules that we can never follow. Adam and Eve had one rule, don't eat the fruit. Can't even get that right. People say, well, if I was Adam and Eve, I wouldn't have done it. <laughs> You're right. You'd, you would have taken two of them. God loves us. And the reason that he, that he set all things in motion, the reason that he set times and places, the reason that he continually shows his love for us, it tells us in verse 14. It says, uh, but God has done it so that people fear before him. God doesn't want us uh, being super anxious over the things in life that we can't control. We can't control when we're, when we're born and when we're going to die. We can't control when we go to war with someone and when they're ready to make peace. We, we can't control these things that God already has set out for us. But what we can do is enjoy the good things that God has placed before us. Fear of the Lord. Uh, he, says, he says, fear the world, the Lord. Don't worry about the worries of this life. Our worrying is not going to change one thing of God's, of God's grand purposes. And then enjoying this life in Christ is the only way life isn't hevel. There's a way that we can, we can have full enjoyment in life or what we think is enjoyment. We partake in, in all these things. And if you guys were with us in Ecclesiastes last week, Solomon tried them. He tried all these things to bring himself pleasure. And what he came to is, unless they're lived for the sake of God, they're hevel. Some of you may, may try your best to live life outside of Christ. You, you, may, you may run a thousand, miles a thousand miles an hour in the wrong direction, but it's going to be hevel when you get there. Life is found, that the true meaning of life is found when you accept Christ and live for his glory. Nothing is outside of God's rule. He has, he has known and orchestrated, orchestrated everything that was and is and is to come. Look at verse 15. It says, that which is already has been. That which is to be already has been. And God seeks what has been driven away. So not only has God orchestrated this whole story of humanity, but he also takes what's ugly and makes it beautiful. And we, we don't see any other example more perfect of what I'm saying than the cross. God took something that was initially meant to be a, a torture device and turn it into this lasting symbol of grace and peace and hope. Um, through the cross, we can see that God has sealed our salvation. Basically, what, with what the preacher's saying, that which is already has been. If you're struggling with sin and temptation and you're trying to figure out, like, does God still love me? Like, I know I keep doing those things, but man, I feel like I'm so far away from God. Your salvation was sealed on the cross over 2,000 years ago. There's nothing you can do to outsend the love of God. 
that which is already has been. Our salvation has already been paid for. Our eternal life in heaven already established. We can enjoy life in the here and now. And this paradox of this beautiful, ugly cross, it's inspired songs upon songs throughout the generations. Uh, there's this old hymn that we used to sing in our church when I was growing up. It's called uh, The Old Rugged Cross. You guys ever heard this song before? Um, so I'm going to ask you all to sing it since you all know it. I'm just kidding. I'm not going to ask you. Look at the lyrics. It says, on a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. And I love that old cross where the dearest and best for a world of lost sinners was slain. So I'll cherish that old rugged cross till my trophies at last I lay down and I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown. God's got you. Through Jesus, God has got you. God's got this and he's got you. He was willing to send his son to ensure your place with him in eternity. And if he can take something that's jacked up and ugly as a torture device and make it beautiful, man, the things you're going through, the the temptations, the times you fall into sin, he can make those beautiful too. Just come to Jesus. I don't don't care if you've you've been a Christian for the last 30 years. Or if if you're just hearing this for the first time, come to Jesus. He can make what's ugly in your life beautiful because he makes everything beautiful in its time. So we're going through this and we're looking at what the preacher says. And like I said earlier, there's some things that I'm sure that as we were talking about it, some things that probably popped up in our heads. Uh, But I want to give us a couple of where we can probably try to apply them uh, specifically uh, to, to us today. And here's the first one I would present to us. There's a time to die to yourself and be born again. Um, some of you, some of you in here may have heard the name Jesus. Maybe you haven't. Maybe you've lived your whole life without him. Maybe uh, the only time you really use it is in a curse word kind of format. Um, but I want to say this to you. Maybe it's time. Maybe it's time that you give up that life of hevel and come to Jesus. And, and doesn't, it, doesn't it get tired sometimes? Like you're, you're running this life and, you, and you're trying to do all these things and you're trying to, you got to try to make yourself better. You got to try to say the right things to the right people and maybe they're going to judge you and you got to worry about that stuff. Doesn't that get exhausting? Jesus says, for those who are in me, there is no more condemnation. Their sins are not held against them anymore. Matter of fact, I will separate them from their sins as far as the east is from the west. I won't associate them with that anymore. Come to Jesus. Jesus says that, he says uh, in John 3, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Come to Jesus. The only way you're going to get there is if you, you, are, you are born again. If, if you want to know what that means, maybe, if, maybe you've heard that term before and you're like, but I don't, I don't know what that means. Come talk to one of the pastors. We would love to walk through it with you. The one thing that burdens my soul the most is me up here preaching to folks who hear it, but then go home and, and just ignore it. Jesus says, I love you and I want to spend eternity with you, but you have to be born again. So come talk to us. Uh, Christianity isn't a religion or religion of don'ts. It's, a, it's an offer of life. 
Jesus said, I came to give them life and give it in abundance. I want, to, I want them to enjoy life, but they have to be born again. So here's another one that I will offer up to us. Uh, and this is for those who maybe have been saved for a while, and maybe you're still struggling like with, with sins and, and temptations in your life. And I would say to you, there's a time to kill your sin and cling to Christ. Um, maybe, maybe the strife is over. Maybe you've played around with it for too long. Maybe that, maybe that sin that keeps creeping up on you because you keep finding yourself in particular situations, maybe it's time to just put it to death. Maybe it's time to just shut it off altogether. Um, there's this old uh, British theologian. His name is John Owen. He said this. He said, the vigor and power and comfort of our spiritual life depends on the mortification of the deeds of the flesh. Mortification is basically like fancy English talk for kill your sin. He says, do you mortify? Do you make it your daily work? Be always at it while you live. Cease not a day from this work. Be killing sin or it will be killing you. Satan loves to tap dance on our faith. And and especially when we play around with our sins and temptations, he uses those to separate us from God. My, My plea to you, seek out those things and destroy them. Destroy anything that keeps away keeps us away from the love of God. Whether, whether it's uh, whether it's gossip, whether it's just having a, a poor attitude all the time, uh, maybe it's uh, you, you just go through life and you, and you have like these these temptations of the flesh. You guys probably know what I mean by that. Destroy them. Don't play around with it. It's it's what Satan is using to keep you away from the love of God. Uh, Romans 5, 6 says, for while we were still weak, at just the right time, Christ came and died for the ungodly. That's us. And and if God was willing to go to such lengths to to remove the barriers that we had between us, man, we should be joining him in that battle. But I want to say to you, as we close up, God's got this. So enjoy the in-between. But please don't live like God doesn't exist. Uh, Don't fall into that extreme ditch of, I'm going to just live life according to my own terms because that's going to keep us away from God. But also don't fall into the ditch of, I'm just going to abstain from everything in this world because that's not God honoring either. God is most glorified when we're most satisfied. So be joyful, do good, take pleasure, not for your own sake because that's heaven, but because each day, each living moment that we have is a gift from God. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for this day. Um, Thank you for this word of truth that you've given to us. Thank you that we can come to you and just enjoy you. We don't have to, uh, no longer do we have to worry about, did I I sacrifice the right animal? Did I I do my devotion the right way? Have I I read all my scriptures today? You say, just come to me, all you who are heavy laden and burdensome, and I will give you rest. You invite us in to just enjoy life with you, God. And we are so appreciative for that opportunity. God, as we uh, continue our services, as we're getting ready to take communion, I pray that all of us here can take communion, not in a, in a dreary way, like this, is, like this is a funeral procession. It's a march to life. It's, a, it's, it's the means by which we've been given remembrance for the good things that you've given us. You gave us your son 
the most precious thing to you. And you said, I'm going to give it to my enemies so that there's no longer any separation between us and they can come and rest in me. God, thank you for your loving kindness toward us. Thank you that you've given us uh, not only forgiveness of our sins, but you've given us eternal life in Christ. May it ever be that we give you our, our praise and adoration. May it ever be that you never remove your love from us. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray.